0: So, I'm Tiffany. Um, I am here to talk about uh, SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 is the name of the virus. It's like the medical scientific-y name, SARS-CoV-2. And if you get SARS-CoV-2, if you get it as an infection to you, then you have COVID-19. So, um, there are lots of fancy medical names like adenovirus and rhinovirus. And if you get them, you get the common cold. And it's very similar. So um, COVID-19 is just the name of what you get. Um, uh, The reason we're talking about it today is because it's brand new. Um, It had never shown up um, in any human um, before the winter of 2019. Uh, So this past uh, December. And no one in the world was exposed to it before. Uh, So if you can imagine, if you're one person and everyone around you has already been exposed to being sick, and you know this happens at home with your kids, um, then um, they won't get it again necessarily. Um, and it's really hard for that one person to pass it on to other people. But because no one in the world was exposed to it before, um, the virus was able to spread very efficiently and effectively between person to person to person to person, to person, to person, to person because no one had immunity. And so that's why people are working really hard to make a vaccine, um and talking about that thing called herd immunity that hopefully we'll have once we have a vaccine. Um so uh I'm going to talk a little bit about where it is right now as of Sunday um and um talk about how it's spread. The best place to look for where it is um I have found in the Bay Area is on the SF Chronicle website, the SF Chronicle website um is up to date and gives you a breakdown of where the disease has been diagnosed. Um by county and so you can have a better idea of where it is locally. Um, if you want to see where it is around the country and around the world, um, the most accurate resource is the Johns Hopkins website, um, which is up to date um, for all the cases in the world. Um, the reason it's important to know where things are in your own community because some people may be watching us that are not in the Bay Area is because depending on where things are in your community, Um, It changes the guidelines for where you are. So that's why other people in different places have different guidelines than we do here in the Bay Area. And that's a good thing um, because public health officials are weighing the risks and balances. And we'll talk about that in the end. Because there has been community spread within the Bay Area, which means that they have found cases passed from person to person rather than people that have come from other places and brought it in. Um, We have a more strict or stringent shelter-in-place set of guidelines right now. Um, I want to move on to how it's spread. Uh, COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2, the virus, is spread by respiratory um, spread. And respiratory spread means that um, it's spread by viral shedding within the respiratory tract. And the respiratory tract is your nose and your mouth all the way down to the very end of your lungs. So whenever you cough, you um, will expel droplets um, and those droplets can spread the virus. And that's what it means by respiratory spread. That's different than airborne spread. um, It's different than contact spread where you're touching things. This gets a little confusing because if you cough or you sneeze, and it gets on your hands, and your hands touch something, it can last a few days on surfaces. We're not sure exactly how many days, but a few days on most surfaces. And then if someone else comes and touches that same surface, and they touch their nose or their mouth, um, or if it gets anywhere in their respiratory symptoms, then they can become infected. Um, and so uh, even though uh, it's not actually spread by contact there are these possibilities and that's why it's so important people are talking so much about not touching your face and washing your hands really often because your hands are where you're touching things that people might have potentially respiratorily spread the virus. That's how it's spread. Um, I really wanted to focus most of this time on talking about what you can do. I'm going to talk about six things and one overarching thing. So the first thing is you should enjoy the safety of being home with family, and really family only. I know that a lot of us have friends that are practically family, um, but it really should just be your family, because your family already is using the same germs, for better or for worse, um, and has been for a long time. Um, so just be, enjoy being home. Go back to Pastor um, Andrew's sermon to think about what other things you can do. Um, the second thing that you can do is uh, take care of yourself. Um, This taking care of yourself prevents you from getting sick um, from the disease, even if you get the infection, you may not get sick if you're able to protect yourself well. That means um, if a doctor has told you that um, you need to take medications for your blood pressure or your heart disease or lung disease, um, then you should make sure to take it just like you were scheduled Um, Especially for people that have diabetes, it's important to control your diabetes, and that also means changing your diet um, if that's something that's been recommended. So exercise is another way that you can protect yourself, um, keep your body healthy, um, and get plenty of sleep. And it's really important to make sure that you get sleep um, during the right times. So you're awake when the sun is out, and you sleep um, when it's dark outside. Uh, Making sure that you keep that circadian rhythm keeps you healthy as well. And then I cannot underestimate the power of washing your hands um, with soap and water for 20 seconds. Doctors get trained on how to wash your hands. Oftentimes you miss some parts of your hands. If you just do it where you run your hands under water and make sure you dry your hands afterwards, because viruses like moist environments, make sure you dry them all the way. Um, these things are things that you can do to prevent yourself from getting sick from um, COVID-19, even if you do get an infection. The third thing is use your home items wisely make them last. Um, so you might need to be creative a little bit, but there are some things that you have at home. Let's say a Lego set that's meant to make a certain thing. Be creative and use those same Legos to make something else. Same thing for stuff in your pantry. There might be stuff in your pantry that's way, way back in the corner that you haven't ever used, um, but it's good to use those things. Make the things that you have at home last rather than going out and trying something brand new that requires a very specialty ingredient um, because, uh, That doesn't necessarily help um, other people. Um, The fourth thing is um, know that essential stores are going to stay open. So pharmacies and um, uh, also uh, grocery stores and hospitals will stay open. So don't hoard things. Keep things. Um, You have to think about how many points of contact you have. I know lots of people are staying home for a week at a time and then going out and running a bunch of errands, but that means that one person is having lots of points of contact. There are cases um, where you can be totally asymptomatic, which means you don't have any symptoms at all, and you could be shedding the virus. And so try to go to the stores that are absolutely essential. If possible, go to one store and get the things that you need. Um, You could be the one spreading it. Um, an example of this, if you have, can't conceptualize this, is when I, uh, married Jared, I brought home a lot of things and he got sick a lot, but I was just fine because I had already gotten sick before or gotten, uh, been careful. Um, so I know I have to be especially careful to make sure I don't get Jared sick since I'm going to the hospital. Um, so that was point four, um. It is important to remember point four goes in concert with point three. So in order for you not to have that many essential things that you need, you have to use your items at home very wisely. The fifth thing is, um, and this is uh, something that's really important to say, you need to coordinate your help to others uh, with other people. Um, So a lot of people want uh, and need help, and this is important that we're able to do that for them. But you don't want five different people going to five different stores to get something for one person. That means that one person gets five different exposures that they didn't need. And then all those people also had lots of exposures. Um, and so make sure that you coordinate who is going where and try to limit it as much as possible. Again, the number of exposures is what we're trying to decrease here. Um, the sixth thing is there are lots of places that you can donate things that you can do. Um, There's three different things that I think you can do for donations. The first is if you have any surgical masks or N95 masks, things that we qualify as personal protective equipment, the healthcare workers really need those right now. And there are ways to donate those in a safe manner um, that can be vetted by the hospital. Look out for those probably being published on Monday or Tuesday of this week um, for figuring out where you can donate your uh, personal protective equipment. Second thing you can donate is blood. Um, If you have COVID-19, it doesn't mean that you need a blood transfusion and nor can it pass, as far as we know, in the blood supply. But um, normally hospitals need blood to be able to run and take care of people that have other diseases. And we want to make sure to be able to be open for anyone that needs medical support. Um, And blood is going to be on shortage soon because we haven't been collecting as much blood because people have been home. Um, If you can call the blood donation center that's close to you and make an appointment. It's important to make an appointment so they can plan and make sure people are um, safely, socially distant from each other when they're donating blood. That would be great. The third thing you can do is donate money. Um, Besides flattening the curve, we know that there are people that need things that are absolutely essential, um, that don't have the money to do them because they lived either paycheck to paycheck or they lost their job. Um, Find people where um, and do this wisely where you can donate money to help them get to their next um, essential thing that they need. Um, it's important to protect those people as well. Covering all of these six things is prayer. To be able to do all of these things, it takes um, lots of um, peace and calmness and wisdom and lack of anxiety and planning and, and just mind space, and God can provide, God can provide all those things um, for us to be able to do this wisely. Um, and so pray, pray, pray all the time. Now I'm going to move on to our questions. I did get some questions emailed to me, so I'm going to go for those. And because this is not a live video, um, if you have other questions, please include them in the comments. Maybe we'll do an update video later, um, either live or recorded like this. Just uh, look out in the CLC website, uh, Facebook page. I'm sorry. Okay. So the first question is, what if I was exposed um, so there's lots of parts of this question that I wanted to address. The first is if you know someone that was diagnosed with COVID-19 with a swab that was positive, you have to think about what your exposure is with them. Right now we are only, uh, mostly concerned with people that have close contact with those people. Close contact means that you shared, um, direct secretions. So if you kissed them, for example, or if someone sneezed and it went directly into your face. Or if you shared a prolonged period of being within six feet of each other without them wearing a mask, um, and so a prolonged period is defined differently, but most people say it's sometime, somewhere between thirty and thirty minutes to an hour. Because within thirty minutes to an hour, most of us will do something where we'll touch something, um, we'll touch the table, we'll um, shake each other's hands, do something where we could potentially spread these droplets. Um, and so if you have direct contact with that person, if you didn't have direct contact, then I'm less worried. But if you had direct contact with that person, you need to quarantine yourself and keep yourself away from doing all these essential tasks that I just said. Keep yourself in your house. If you're able to have uh, someone else in your house, will go out and do those things and monitor yourself for symptoms. Symptoms include cough, fever, sore throat uh, chest tightness, um, or that feeling of being, having difficulty breathing. Um, those symptoms, um, may be signs of you having COVID as well. Um, but it's important for you to do, uh, the step two that I said earlier, exercise, sleep, wash your hands so that you keep yourself as healthy as possible. So you don't get even more sick. Um, if you don't have a medical provider to contact, if you have those symptoms, uh, send me a message and I'll be able to tell you where to go. Um, if you do have a medical provider, you should call that medical provider at that time, and they can give you advice about what to do. I think that's that for that question. Move on to the second question. The second question is, can you get COVID-19 from takeout? Or what is your risk of um, COVID-19 or spread um, from doing takeout foods? there has not been any cases of foodborne transmission, meaning the virus passing between food. Um, There are some other viruses that can be passed between food, but that COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 is not one of them. This can be a little confusing because if you go to the grocery store, you'll see that salad bars are closed. That's because they can't really clean the salad bars well enough um, to be able to prevent spread that way. Restaurants have guidance for how much they need to clean. And you've probably seen signs where it says health, uh, restaurant workers need to wash their hands before they return to work. Um, so, uh, restaurants should be following those same guidelines just as if you are cooking at home. And since there's no foodborne transmission, there's not any risk from the food itself. You do need to think about how many points of contact there are if you're doing takeout at the restaurant, they're taking orders, through the phone or maybe through their iPad that they're touching. Um, there's packaging involved to make sure that the food is in the packaging and they're also prepping food. Um, if you also have takeout and you're doing it through a food delivery service like Grubhub or, um, or uh, Uber, then there's also the person that's going to have to transport it and that's another point of contact. We're all talking about how to decrease any points of contact. That's why we're doing a shelter-in-place thing. Um, so just something to think about. Not everyone has the luxury of not having to do take, um, take out. Um, so if you have to do it, then um, I think it's safe in terms of the actual food. Um, but if you can be um, creative about the ways that you use the things that you have at home in terms of food, that might be a better solution. All right. Moving on to the third question. Um, this is a really good question, and I didn't think about this before, but what is PPE? Um, so, a lot of people are talking about PPE. PPE is personal protective equipment. Um, for doctors and healthcare workers and people that clean the rooms in the hospital, so anyone that works in the hospital environment, um, they have personal protective equipment. Um, if there's a patient that's ill, we want to protect ourselves from getting ill or taking it and passing it on to the next patient. And that's why it's so important for us. It's like wearing a helmet when you ride your bike. Just something that you have to do to protect yourself. Absolutely required. Um, Because PPE is manufactured in lots of places in the world, and also flights are limited, moving PPE from place to place, there um, is concern that there is going to be a shortage of PPE available to healthcare workers. This is going to be a problem because... Um, people that are sick are going to go to the hospital and doctors are going to take care of them. Nurses, um, respiratory therapists, pharmacists are all going to take care of that person. And they need to be safe because we want to make sure that the healthcare workers can take care of the next person. Um, we also want to make sure they don't spread it to someone else that has to come to the hospital for a different reason. Um, so. Uh, right now, personal protective equipment is, um, being rationed and we're making sure to try to save as much as we can until we are able to get more. Um, by staying home, you're preventing the number of people that have to go to the hospital. Um, it means that we can save the PPE for longer. And so another reason for you to do all the things that I said that you can do. I think that answers that question, but happy to, if there's any follow-up questions about that, um, The last question that I had that was already sent to me was, how long is this going to last? I think it's a good question to end on. Um, I think this is really hard to answer, and I'm hoping that we're going to have some better answers, at least in the Bay Area, by April 7th, the end of the shelter-in-place order. We're going to be able to know where things are and how things have progressed over that time. The public health and um, the kind of administrators and officials um, are weighing two things. On one side, there's a healthcare capacity. We wanna make sure that there are enough beds, there are enough um, PPE to protect health workers. We wanna make sure there's enough ventilators if ventilators are needed. Um, We need space in the hospital to protect the people that are going to be very ill from COVID-19. So that's on one side. On the other side, um, administrators have to balance um, the economy. The economy has to keep going. People that, Rely on paychecks to be able to get their essential things, need to be able to have their jobs. Um, the other thing to think about on this other side is we eventually need to start living life. We need to be able to have weddings again. Uh, we need to be able to see friends. We need to be able to give them a hug. Um, those are all really important things. Right now, the, hu- the hospital capacity um, concerns are really outweighing this side, but you can imagine at some point it's going to change. Um, So uh, the people that are in in politics and uh, making public health decisions are weighing those two things, depending on how many people are being diagnosed um, newly with COVID-19, what the status is locally of the number of hospitals, the number of doctors that are affected how much PPE there is, how many ventilators are in, this side might become less important and we might be able to um, slowly release people back to doing things that are kind of next level essential and then next level essential after that. Um, uh, So everyone doing what they're doing in San Francisco has been really great. We've seen that we've been able to um, not exponentially increase our numbers so far. Um, Unlike uh, New York City and Los Angeles, where there's been Uh, A little bit less stringency on the shelter in place. Um, So you guys are all doing a really good job in the Bay Area. Please keep it up. Um, I think at the end of our three weeks of shelter in place, we'll be able to reevaluate where this balance is. And hopefully, if if we've really not overloaded this left side, then we'll be able to start um, letting people do some of the things that they need to do. Again, it's all about what is um, happening in your local area and what you need to do. And right now, for us in the Bay Area, we need to do those things that I said um, earlier, those six things. Uh, so um, I look forward to talk to you again, maybe if we're going to do this again. Um, and happy to answer any questions. Hopefully this works. Um, yeah, comments below if you have any other additional questions that I can answer. All right. Thanks. That's it. Thanks, Jared.